Hello everyone, welcome to the In-Between Club. This is Yasuha. This is Tomoka. Today we have a very, very exciting episode because I have a special guest. She's my, one of my best friends and welcome, Livia. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for Hello. having me, you guys. Yes, of course. Thank you for being here. I'm so honored. <laughs> so in this episode today, we are going to talk about food and identity. And Livia recently started a food blog Instagram account that shared the stories of her um, food from back homes and talking about culture and identity as well. So we were going to have this like food and identity episode and I thought that this is a very, very perfect timing. So we are, we have so many questions we want to ask you and very exciting to have this conversation. Yeah, me first, too. First, can you briefly introduce yourself? Yes, okay. so um, as Yasu has said, my name is Livia. And uh, Yasu and I, we've been friends since high school. Well, actually, maybe like the very end of even middle school. So mm-hmm. like I said, we've known each other for 12 years. We went to school in Thailand together. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm sort of all over the place. That's okay. <laughs> Which, because, uh, yeah, because my parents, both my parents are diplomats. So I feel like a lot of diplomat kids can definitely relate to my experience. Uh, I am Indonesian officially on passport, mm-hmm. but uh, I've only ever lived there for six years and not six consecutive years too. They were like sort of split in between. Um, I was born in Prague in Czech Republic uh, and then, like, throughout my life, I was raised in Egypt, in Thailand, in the U.S., and uh, currently I'm residing in Montreal, Canada. So, yeah, that's just sort of a very brief outline of my life. <laughs> yes, so we met in uh, middle school in Thailand, went to same international school, yeah. and she's, yeah, one of my first international very international (laughs) friends that I had so and we recently just like discovered that like oh we actually share share a lot of same interests like you know back in high school we didn't really talk about this topic of like culture identity all this um elements so yeah it's been very like wow I I didn't know that it's definitely a conversation that we just recently started having to have like the two of us because yeah. we never really, really never talked about yeah. it before in high mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. even right. though we were living that experience. Yeah, so, you know, well, it's, right. It's maybe yeah. maybe we were maybe because of age. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we were too young to, or maybe we we're just just still processing. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I never, I, so. I never really thought about it as well mm-hmm. until now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 So we have a lot of questions to, you know, kind of unpack your story, eh? your yeah. backgrounds and all this led to your passions for food and identity. So the first questions I have for you is mm-hmm. very um, like simple and kind of open questions. Like, what do you think of the relationship between food and identity for you? Well, I think for me, like at the very core of it, food is, is, is 
obviously it's something very basic to us all as humans, right? Like it's mm-hmm. one of the first things we learn like from birth, you know, I mean, like you don't eat, but as babies, you know, you drink milk, like it's, it's, it's sustenance, it's survival, right? And when it comes into culture, I think it really allows you to kind of know who a certain group of people are, you know, the way they eat, what they eat, the tradition surrounding a meal. I mean, food is really what links the community together. It's one of those few things, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important because like not only does food you know play a role in bridging cultures together mm-hmm. but it's also something that you can use to I don't know to attack other groups sometimes you know mm-hmm. or to yeah you know what I mean it's sort of like a double-edged sword I feel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm in no way an expert and this is something that I'm just starting to recently think about and starting to recently be very interested about right Mm -hmm. so but when you hear stories about like you know back in the day I'm not sure so much now but like uh especially you know when people were less exposed to international cultures or people from different backgrounds you know immigrant children being ridiculed because of their lunch because it looked or tasted Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. to the norm and you hear stories about people saying like oh you know like things smell bad and I don't know, you know, because they're not packing like sandwiches or chips or like whatever that norm is, right, in the dominant culture. Or, and then maybe, you know, food is used to, um, to really like constrict people to like a type of social class, you know, by saying that, oh, this food is not healthy or that Mm -hmm. it's bad or, you know, especially in my case, sometimes there have been not a lot of moments, but you know, the moment people uh, like find out that I'm from Indonesia, there are all these ignorant questions in the sense it's like, oh, like, do you eat dog? Do you eat monkey brain? Yeah. Like, I, you know, and it's like, it's, I don't, I, I'm honestly, I don't even know what to say to, <laughs> to people who have questions like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yes, there are communities in Indonesia mm-hmm. who consume dog meat, but it's mm-hmm. very like the percentage is very, very, very mm-hmm. low. Mm-hmm. And so the mm-hmm. fact that you have to ask that question to me, like one of the first things, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, what? <laughs> you know? And yeah. um, so, you know. It's not just even within like the food you eat, but I think the way you eat too, because like as an Indonesian, a lot of people eat with their hands. And so mm-hmm. maybe for Western culture, that's sort of seen, it, it might be deemed as like dirty or like mm. barbaric or low class, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or there have been times where like, I'm not very good using the chopsticks because I was never raised using the chopsticks. Mm-hmm. But again, people still, blow my mind with their ignorant questions like oh you're asian aren't you supposed to be good with using chopsticks (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm just like no what (laughs) indonesian people don't use chopsticks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so i think that at the very core that's like just the relationship between food and Mm -hmm. identity in general Mm -hmm. obviously i think you know, there's probably more to unpack, mm-hmm. but that's 
maybe the few you know one of the few things that I can think of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um right. my personal relationship with food has definitely been a complicated especially when it comes to my Indonesian identity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because um you know growing up regardless of what, where I was living at the time we always ate Indonesian food at home right and mm -hmm. we also ate other stuff you know especially when you like go out to eat at restaurants and stuff like that yeah. but at home it was mostly like Indonesian food mm -hmm. or like you know the home version of what Indonesian yeah, food yeah. is right <laughs> home cooked version yeah but um I just remember too like especially when I was younger for my birthdays uh my mom would make a tumpang a tumpang is um it's a dish in Indonesia where not only you don't only eat it for birthdays, but it's usually for any occasions where you're where there's a big celebration mm -hmm. or like, you know, to show gratitude. And you know how like the Chinese, I think, eat long life noodles on their birthdays? Oh, okay. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's in the same sense. Like the tumpeng in itself has meanings. Uh, I don't mm. know specifics, so I'm not going to get into it. Right. Yeah, but like the shape of it is, it's so, it's it's either white or yellow rice, and it's shaped like a cone. Oh. Yeah, it's like a, pyra like, like a pyramid like mm -hmm. this. It sticks out. Um, and I, something, you know, there has some, there's meaning behind the shape, and usually there's like uh different um side dishes like chicken fish vegetables and they also have different meanings again i'm not sure entirely <laughs> it's something that i've just recently mm -hmm. gotten to know um but you have that for like occasions special occasions. yeah for special occasions you and know? is that something like you your you can cook at home or you something that you have to order from like well, restaurants i think it i think back in indonesia because usually it is for big celebrations mm -hmm. you probably order oh okay. from like a catering company or something like that mm -hmm. uh but you can definitely make it at home just make a small version you know mm -hmm. and uh, like the like when I was celebrating my birthdays at home my mom would make a very very small mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. looking at pictures it was very tiny you know <laughs> just enough to feed like mm -hmm. uh, my family of four you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. uh you definitely don't have to order in but mm -hmm. uh but probably back home yeah you would do because it's it, it can be it can be so huge and elaborate and like mm -hmm. yeah that's that's very um you know connecting your like the culture mm -hmm. and like food and um you know regardless of how many countries you lived in or how many times you moved I think that having the food from home and eating at home by your mm -hmm. mother's cooking kind of like maybe a way for you to stay connected to the mother culture the home culture and I wonder if that really uh, play a huge role in your like cultural identity, like you know I mean, when you think about your Indonesian culture. Yeah, it definitely did. You know, I never, I never, 
when I was younger, I didn't really think about it. And now like looking through old pictures, you know, for like, again, for my birthday, for example, you always had that tumpang and then I had a birthday cake, you know, and I, I never thought much about it. It's just like what my mom made, you know, mm, right, but there's yeah, just so yeah. much more meaning behind it now. Right and uh, mm. like newfound appreciation almost mm-hmm. right um yeah. to be honest i don't even know like like my generation even if i were to go back to indonesia if people understand that you know the reason why we have this dish during celebrations or when you want to give thanks and be grateful for something you know mm. or is it just like the norm that people eat or order because there is a celebration right mm-hmm. 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 So, um, but while, you know, eating at home, cooking at home and, you know, always having Indonesian meals did connect me mm-hmm. to my Indonesian identity, mm-hmm. like in more recent years, I think, especially like in high school, uh, it was also something that I used to reject my Indonesian identity. Oh. So... I think I don't know like why I'm trying to figure out a way to start this but I think starting well at least I understood it more when I was in high school or I felt it more when I was in high school I really did not want to be seen as Indonesian Mm -hmm. you know I didn't know specifically what I wanted to be seen as, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not Thai, right? Mm-hmm. I was only mm-hmm. living in Thailand. I didn't have any permanent connections to any of the country that I was living in. Yeah. So I was always just in limbo, you know, I'm like mm-hmm. Indonesian mm-hmm. on passport, but not really. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm not Thai or I'm not Egyptian. I was born in the Czech, Czech Republic, but I'm not that either, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I was always in limbo trying to search for where I fit in. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I think there was a lot of resentment towards that and towards my mom specifically because she would always make it a point for me to be more Indonesian you know whatever that meant Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there were many times where like maybe not many but there have been a couple of times Mm -hmm. where she would compare me to say um her friend's children you know because they knew how to do these traditional dances they knew how Mm -hmm. to do this and that or whatever it is that you can learn in Indonesia but you know, living in Thailand at the time, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're living in Egypt at the time, you know, what am I supposed to do? So, right. I think that resentment just grew and subconsciously, you know, that just made me not want to be associated to anything Indonesian mm-hmm. and not and right, right, food, right. but also the fact that like I didn't want to hang out with other Indonesian kids mm-hmm. and I never right. wanted to go to my you know with my parents and accompany them to events at the embassy mm-hmm. and even if right, I did right, go right. like I would just you know be alone with my sister mm-hmm. uh, we did mm-hmm. have uh, another Indonesian kid he works his dad works in the embassy with my dad and um, so, you know, I, and we went to the same school. So I felt that connection to him because we were in the same school, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But the other, like he would have friends 
um, an Indonesian friends and he was hanging out with other diplomat kids. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel mm -hmm. the need to the or the want to. Yeah, that right. connection. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would tell, I, you know, I would go around telling people like, oh, I hate rice. I don't like spicy food. Oh, which really? Are, yeah. Mm. Which are oh. two very key elements to Indonesian cuisine. Like you always eat mm -hmm. rice. Wow. I didn't know that. Food's always spicy. <laughs> <laughs> right, but right, right. I told everyone that I hated it. And so I'm pretty sure there are still people out there in the world, like, thinking that I don't like either of those two. And now, you know, it's two things I can't live without, you know? Wow. Yeah. Right, right. I was cleaning out my pantry and I have like 10 different chili sauces. <laughs> yeah. I kind of understand like how you said about um, you know, this kind of resentful attitude towards uh, the culture that your parents try try to, in a way, like push it to you, like push towards you. Mm -hmm. um, to for me, like I, I um, in terms of the number of countries I've lived in, I only, I've only lived in the states and in Japan and like yeah for a year in Canada, but like most of the time in my life I've been living in Japan, but then the environment was pretty international the whole time. Mm -hmm. And because I guess I, for the longest time, like I didn't, I, I didn't really have the moment where I was completely comfortable with the fact that I was Japanese and that like I lived in Japan and then I am supposed to be quote-unquote supposed to be Japanese and then I guess my parents didn't really see me fitting in either and then they were mentioning how important it was to be to be some to be someone because I was Japanese and to do something because I was Japanese and to be more Japanese mm -hmm. and then I guess because I was feeling a little bit um weird I didn't really feel like I was fitting into that to that like figure of what my parents wanted me to be like there were it, there were I would say there were moments where I tried to act like I was not Japanese and I didn't really f like fit into it um mm -hmm. intentionally because I wanted to in a way um I don't know show some resentment to my parents as well yeah mm -hmm. so I totally understand that yeah. yeah yeah I I can relate to that too like you know I lived in Thailand my mother is Thai and so like whenever we go out to eat like find a like street food to eat or restaurants to eat I kind of had some sort of hesitations going to Thai places too mm -hmm. because especially like the early days when I just moved from Japanese school to international school, my identity was strongly like connect to Japan. And I also right. wanted to seen as Japanese. So I really had a hard time, like, you know, just like being in the Thai restaurant or like getting some sort of like Thai food kind of like made me scared that like, oh, I'm not uh, Jap like full Japanese like that would give a reason for people to ask me that like oh I'm not oh you eat Thai food then you're not Japanese which is like very you know <laughs> too much of like overthink during that age so mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a very uh, yeah resentment for sure for me too 
now that I think of it, I feel like all of those moments came when I was unsure about my identity. Like it also came when people for some reason like associated me um I mean, of course they will when I'm when I'm outside of Japan, and it, when I t- tell them that I'm Jap- that I'm Japanese, everyone will associate me with Japan automatically, right? But then at that time, because I didn't know who I was um, in a definite way, I couldn't really um, state my identity, um, really tell who I was. I think I felt like I was over. Um, associated with Japan sometimes Mm -hmm. and I didn't know like I knew I was Japanese but then I still wanted to like recognize the part of me that was international and that and who was like in between cultures and so I think I was having that kind of struggle of like yeah I'm Japanese but you don't have Mm -hmm. to like completely associate me 100% with Japan like I want you to see my other parts of me too yeah and so yeah I feel like all that came when I was just not sure about myself right yeah that's true yeah I think that was that was a very big deal for me especially uh coming back home from uh well coming back home from Egypt at the time I was very young I was probably like 10 years old but I could but even at that age like I could really feel that there was something in me you know Mm -hmm. that was like different to other people Mm -hmm. and I didn't just rebel in the sense that like oh I didn't want to eat Indonesian food Mm -hmm. but like the way I dress for example as Mm -hmm. well you know right um Indonesia is quite a conservative culture and so you know especially when you're meeting like extended family or when Mm -hmm. you know like if there are any gatherings or events like for my parents workplace you know there is this unspoken rule sort of in terms mm-hmm. of dress code uh mm-hmm. you know you just want to be more covered up and mm-hmm. not at, you know be as uh it, like don't wear tank tops mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that you know yeah. it's just one of those things I don't know mm-hmm. but I always uh and my mom would always stress on that and I would hate it hate it so much right. because I mean first it's really hot you know <laughs> we live like, right there on the equator so like why do I have to wear why do I have to be covered up for one but the uh, if you know also I just felt like well I'm not Indonesian like uh, I don't feel yeah, Indonesian, yeah. so why should I conform to your norms? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's kind of stupid now. And like even so, because now when I go back, I'm actually consciously thinking about these things. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I should cover up. You know, whereas before, mm-hmm. it's right, like, right, right, right. I didn't even want to think about that. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah those are just a few examples I'm sure there's others but there are others but like <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's funny if you think about it right now but then when you try to really give an objective view now that mm-hmm. like we've grown out of that like process mm-hmm. it's I do feel like it was something that we did to hold on some part of our identity where where like the society and the people around us the environment didn't really see deeply within us like something that we ourselves only knew and had to feel and felt like we had to represent it ourselves or else or else it might just like I don't know be erased or disappear Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and also I think because I always knew that you know after living in a place 
for three, four years, I would eventually move elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, I, I moved back to Indonesia when I was nine, 10 years old. And then again, I left for Thailand when I was 13. So because knowing that fact, it, it, I think it just, what, uh, how, how do I say? Like it just, ju- it justified, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. more uh-huh. than like you know in terms of not being Indonesian it's like well I'm gonna leave after three years anyway mm-hmm. so why should I <laughs> you know right yeah yeah so there are definitely a lot of weird things that I probably did yeah, <laughs> that my yeah. parents are probably shaking their heads <laughs> yeah why, it's so cringy yeah it is I it know. is cringy <laughs> Because exactly. like, like you said earlier, like now you can't live without rice and like spicy, you know, flavor, right? Like that's like same to me too. Like I cannot live without Thai food. And like most of the food I cook at home is like Thai food and like Japanese food. Like uh-huh. right now I have a very like stable balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, feeling and like, identity I would say like you know it depends on the day depends on the time of the you know life as well but like I can sure I can yeah say that I have a more stable time Mm -hmm. comparing to the you know when we were young and still was kind of confused of who we are and yeah all this so it's interesting yeah no Definitely, it, it 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 definitely was a process for me to reconcile mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. ideas of who I am, you right. know. Right. Because obviously, reconcile. I'm so much more than the Indonesian identity. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so much more than just mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. nationality, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it. I mean, like it was something that I was, you know, even two years ago, I was still processing that, you know. Hmm. Hmm. And, you know, I spent so much of my youth rejecting the Indonesian identity, but then, you know, being in the U.S. and in Canada, when I hear things like, oh, you're not really Indonesian, or like, you're the whitest mm. Indonesian I've ever met, or, you know, people would sometimes make comments like, oh, you're Indonesian, but you don't know much about your country, and stuff like, that didn't feel great either. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, or like, I, you know, because I've, obviously in the US and Canada, I was an international student and uh, people would make jokes like, oh, because you know, of the way I speak and how I sound very different from other international kids. Um, and so they'd be like, oh yeah, you're not really Indonesian. You're just faking it, right? I mean, you look wow. Indonesian, but you're probably from like Ontario or you're probably from like when I was in the US because I was living in Seattle. They were like, oh, you're probably from like Idaho, right? <laughs> just like, what? What? <laughs> I had that comment before. <laughs> wow. I'm like, why? Yeah. First of all, why Idaho of all places? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like that the, 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 just the, I didn't like hearing those things either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think mm-hmm. at that point in time in that you know in my life I was just like okay something's got to change I need mm-hmm. to <laughs> present mm-hmm. myself in a different way somehow uh-huh. yeah and um and then eventually I think you know 
I was exposed to, which is weird because, you know, being in the U.S. and Canada, I was introduced to a lot more like Indonesian international students. Mm-hmm. And I slowly started, you know, becoming really good friends with them. And then specifically here in Canada, um, I became involved with the Indonesian Student Association. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, somehow magically, I was also the president of the Indonesian wow. Student Association. So, you know, it's such a drastic change mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. oh, not Indonesian to like being the president of the Indonesian Student Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, honestly, today I can... I can definitely proudly say that yes I am Indonesian and I'm not just saying that because it's what you know that it, like because of my passport you know mm-hmm. or because my parents it, are Indonesian and stuff like that it, it took like, a while to get there I'm 25 so you know <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time yeah I mean it's it's interesting how these things happen when um whenever in in wherever culture you are when you feel like you might lose that part of yourself lose that culture cultural Mm -hmm. part of yourself you start doing it even if it's a culture that you like used to feel ashamed about or you felt you were unfit because I mean I totally feel that as well like when I start living somewhere else or when I start staying somewhere else for um, a longer period I feel super Japanese for some reason like I feel like I yeah I was told like you like just because I have an American accent they would be like oh you're Japanese but like you speak American we just think you're one of us and I'm like I mean (laughs) thank you (laughs) I mean am I supposed to like be thankful about that and yeah Mm -hmm. like absolutely at those moments I'd be like um, I feel like you've forgotten some part of me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for some reason, you feel like you have to represent that other part of you. Yeah, again, it's a long process. I'm sure every TCK, CCK mm-hmm. out there have felt the same way yeah. to a degree. You know, uh, being in Montreal is a bit different, though, just because it's a very multicultural city. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know at the very base of it, you you have the Francophone and the Anglophone living together. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you also definitely have international students or like expats and refugees and all that. So, you know, when you're walking down, you know, the street and like downtown Montreal or whatever, and yes, you hear French and English, that's pretty much everywhere you go but then you also hear Spanish and Arabic and Mandarin Mm. and Korean and Vietnamese and Mm. so I never I don't I don't really feel like I'm in one country either which I think is so perfect (laughs) for me (laughs) you know I feel you yeah and at at times I do feel nationless but not in a bad sense though more just like I'm just a part of this international community I'm you know living my life Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of comfortable yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah so um that that's one of the things I like about living in Mm -hmm. Montreal right yeah so that kind of like bring me to the questions I have for you like 
you know, you started this like food blog and like Instagram, and you said that you know living in a uh, multiple countries and now living in Montreal where it's like multicultural society. Like I can kind of see the piece like different pieces that like come together to be very inspired by the ex experience and the environment that you are living right now but like what is there any specific event or specific persons that kind of like inspired you to start doing right. this activity so I think it's with everyone else you know because of multiple lockdowns and mm -hmm. curfews and whatnot yeah. everyone's just been cooking a lot more I feel I don't know yeah. about in Japan or like in the U.S. but at one point here in Canada like you cannot find flour like you just can't everyone was baking oh yeah <laughs> you know oh, yeah. there was like flour shortage mm -hmm. right yeah yeah you know so I think like because of the pandemic uh I definitely started cooking a lot more just because there was nothing else to do and for me cooking has always been like a stress release mm -hmm. yes. you know um and I think with that I started cooking more Indonesian food as well mm -hmm. mm. you know uh I think actually but you know cooking Indonesian food in general I started doing that maybe a year or two two ago but this specific like a specific moment mm -hmm. in which I was like oh maybe I should start a food blog mm -hmm. was uh, I don't know maybe in November or December mm -hmm. of last year um, and it was also it just sort of happened by chance because I was on um, I was on NPR <laughs> you know and at one point I saw this um, article that talked about uh, this new cookbook coming out, or now it's out already, but it's called uh, Coconut and Sambal. I don't know if you've heard of it, Chip. Yes, no. because it's pretty big right now in the US. And anyways, it's an Indonesian cookbook mm -hmm. and it's written by, uh, I believe she is Indonesian, Chinese, Australian, mm -hmm. yes. So her dad is Indonesian, but ethnic Chinese. Her mom is Australian. She was born and raised in Australia. And now I think she believes in London. Uh, she lives in London. Yeah. Uh, and so she wrote this cookbook, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of uh, the stories she wrote in her book is based on her paternal grandma who lived with her at the time and would make her all these Indonesian dishes, even though she was living in Australia at the time. Um, so that, I mean, seeing something like that, obviously, you know, I'm proud and especially it's like the first Indonesian cookbook that's been mm. gaining a lot of traction in the U.S. It's mm -hmm. sort of breaking through the mainstream, you know, that's mm -hmm. like the very first. And then after having done more research, I found out that there was another British, uh, recipe developer writer mm -hmm. author whatever um called i think her name is eleanor ford and she's she's 100 british she's you know this white woman but i think she, she was raised in indonesia mm -hmm. at some point during her childhood and she made actually an award multiple like an award-winning 
cookbook called Fire Islands. And I always, and then like deep down inside, I was just like, so you have these two foreigners, mm-hmm. you know, writing cookbooks on Indonesian food. Mm-hmm. Why is it that no native Indonesian mm-hmm. have not been able to break to break through in mm-hmm. that same sense? Right. You know? Right. Right. And yeah. in a way I was sort of disheartened by it. You know, I was I was proud that my cuisine was being acknowledged, mm-hmm. but at the same time I was like, there has to be more space for like native Indonesians mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to do this, you know. I mean, in no way am I trying to disregard what you mm-hmm. know what they're doing. Like that what they're doing is great, but yeah. you know, I feel like there would also you know like we could also benefit from you know people who are you know who are born and raised in Indonesia for example yeah you know and so that was really like the motivation I was like "Hmm, you know maybe I should try somehow I mean I don't know if it's gonna amount to anything but Mm -hmm. you know at least I can say like I've done it I tried Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean with I don't know I don't know with I, I don't want to say Asian food in general. I think with Indonesian food, people people don't know it as much, you know. Mm-hmm. And so right. perhaps, yeah. uh, and so perhaps people don't really know what it's certain dishes, or maybe they're confused about what it is, and so it's not it doesn't have the same traction as it does Thai food or Indian mm-hmm. food, you know that or you know Chinese food, Japanese food, Korean food, you know that has such a global well that's just very popular these mm-hmm. days you know so with this with this food food blog specifically mm-hmm. i kind of wanted to showcase indonesian food as is because i feel like with uh a lot of asian recipes there tends to be like oversimplification or over modification mm-hmm. definitely yeah authors you know yeah. white authors rewriting <laughs> recipes to make it more approachable to mm-hmm. the white audience like, accessible yeah. like those ingredients are exactly really hard to find so you know i mean it, mm-hmm. in, in that sense like that's okay you know especially mm-hmm. if you're living in a smaller town where you might not have an asian grocery mm-hmm. store I understand the need for mm-hmm. simplifying or substituting ingredients, mm-hmm. right? But in speaking of like Eleanor Ford, uh, Eleanor Ford, for example, in her mm-hmm. cookbook, she t- the titles for her um, for her recipes are are anglicized. Oh. Oh man! So she wow. doesn't use the actual name of the dishes. Oh, okay. Which Wait, I have well, a which I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Did that spark a controversy or anything? I honestly, I have to do more research on that because for you know, I mean, but she's she's won so many awards from mm-hmm. you know for that mm-hmm. book that okay. I mean, it. I would definitely have to read more on that, mm-hmm. but as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned it didn't it didn't spark as much controversy controversy as i think it should mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no offense mm-hmm. no offense mm-hmm. you know i'm not trying to diss or anything like that mm-hmm. yeah but yeah i don't i i personally don't have her book but you know you have uh you can see previews of it online mm-hmm. and so there is this one indonesian dish called rujak which is 
basically it's like a it's 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 usually like fruits and vegetables and you eat it with this peanut tamarind spicy shrimp paste sauce Mm -hmm. like that's sort of just like a very bastardized description (laughs) of it (laughs) you know but that's basically what it is Mm -hmm. so in her cookbook instead of just saying bujak and then having an explanation of what it is Mm -hmm. she writes it as crunchy vegetables with sour spice dipping sauce Mm-hmm. and obviously as being Indonesian I, I knew what it was mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but really you can't just write rujak and then have a description at the bottom mm-hmm. because right, before right, she goes right. into the actual like instruction and like recipe there is a small paragraph in all of her recipes you know trying mm-hmm. to paint a picture of what this dish is so uh-huh. like why you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's like she made it she created it exactly and it's and there are there were a couple of recipes that I saw online and my sister and I were just like what is this dish (laughs) even my Uh my even uh she and I were like what (laughs) Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so I from a translation from a translator point of view I understand because you know, back in, back in university, we were taught to not, you know, that as a translator, you shouldn't stump the reader, like you shouldn't stump your audience. Mm-hmm. So mm. you have to translate a piece of work in, you know, having that audience or the reader mm. in mind, because you want them mm-hmm. to be able to understand the text right. as seamlessly as possible. Mm-hmm. And even like people's names sometimes are changed. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm uh, like, for example, if I'm translating a book in French and the name Sophie, you know, is used and maybe Sophie is spelled differently, but maybe sometimes you might want to change, anglicize that name, mm-hmm. you know, that's a very simple example mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. right so there is that and so from a translator point of view I understand it mm-hmm. but I think when it comes to like cuisine you right. know like specific mm-hmm. dishes I don't think I don't think people should do that in general mm-hmm. right because right, you know right. you, you you hear a lot uh, uh, of talk now about like whitewashing recipes and mm-hmm. whatnot. So why can't this rujak be treated the same way as it would like mm-hmm. a croissant, for example, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You never right. see a croissant yeah. as a buttery, flaky bread recipe, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's a very good example. Like, why mm-hmm. not? You know, sushi is sushi. It's not mm-hmm. rice rolled in seaweed, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Or I don't know, whatever example mm-hmm. there are out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like by changing the name or renaming dishes, it sort of takes away the culture right. mm-hmm. yes. mm-hmm. of, of those okay. dishes, right? Uh-huh. It takes uh-huh. away the identity, the people who created uh-huh. and all that. Right. Because right. if right. I were to name, if, you know, if I were writing a French cookbook in Indonesian and I retitled croissant as buttery flaky bread, what about all the other buttery flaky breads out there, you know? Like a paratha, yeah, for yeah. example, you know, where the Chinese also have a type of bread that are, you know, that's the same that's similar in that sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
I mean, that takes away the Frenchness of the croissant, right? Mm -hmm. Right, 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 And it right. just sort of homogenizes everything yeah. and like destroys the culture uh, in general. Mm -hmm. Erases right. it. So I, I definitely have a huge problem with that. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like um, it's, for me for i'm again i'm i'm not an expert right and i'm starting get, I'm, I'm just starting to get into this so obviously i'm you know even as as i'm writing captions mm -hmm. for my instagram posts i'm sure there are indonesians back home who are like what is she talking about you know <laughs> i hope not mm -hmm. i i try to do as much research as i possibly mm -hmm. can before i post mm -hmm. something because um at least specifically with my food blog I so what my sister and I like I said I run this with my sister and what we're trying to do is that we're trying to showcase Indonesian food as is but we're also trying to showcase beyond the things that are already known to foreigners mm. right mm. so beyond the fried rice beyond the right. beef rendang and all that um and so what my sister and I are doing right now is that Every, every few weeks we would showcase a new theme mm -hmm. because there's so much ground to cover, right? So er, earlier, I think last month or something like that, we did soups and stews. And right now we're just transitioning into breads mm -hmm. and eventually, you know, we're just gonna keep going with mm -hmm. <laughs> all the different themes out there. Um, you know, so Internationally and domestically, I think Indonesian food is very much concentrated to the uh, island of Sumatra and Java. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you don't, maybe maybe from other islands here and there, but those are very like specific dishes, one or two dishes, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really want Indonesian cuisine as a whole to shine, which is very hard to do because mm -hmm. we are a country that's like made up of more than 17,000 right. islands. We have more, we have mm -hmm. around 13,000 13, ethnic groups. You know, I grew up, ethnic, ethnically speaking, I grew up Sundanese. So like I have my Indonesian, my Indonesian identity, but I also have my Sundanese identity. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be very different from a Javanese identity and, mm -hmm. or very different from like uh, a Balinese identity, mm -hmm. you know? Um, both my parents are half Sundanese and then they're half something else. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the dominant culture that I was raised in was the Sundanese culture. Mm -hmm. So I don't know much about the other ethnic groups or like um, certain dishes. I mean, I grew up eating them, but I don't really know much about it other than the fact that, oh, it's, you know, it's that dish, right? Mm -hmm. So even, so for me, you know, I'm also an outsider trying to approach, mm -hmm. mm. trying to approach an, in, this other Indonesian dish, right? Right, right, right. So even, so even I, as an Indonesian, I have to be very uh, knowledgeable, respectful mm. about the, the dishes that I'm trying to introduce mm -hmm. because ethnically it's not my culture, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah but I've learned so much already and like it makes me feel connected to Indonesia as a whole uh -huh. um 
So like I said, my parents are half Sudanese and then they're half something else. So my paternal grandmother, for example, she's from Makassar, which is a city uh, in south of, uh, south of Sulawesi. And I always knew that I was part Makassaris, you know? Mm-hmm. And my dad's sister lives in Makassar. My cousins are there. We have like this huge extended family that, that lives there. Uh, but I don't know much about being Makassar, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that, that, what that means. And my grandma, unfortunately, she died when I was like three. So I don't really remember her. Mm-hmm. And I visited twice now. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most recently I think four years ago three four years ago maybe and I've learned so many things about mm-hmm. who I am who especially who my dad is mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a person you know mm-hmm. the things he grew up eating um, the family that he was raised in and all that and you know who my dad is is very critical to who I am as well right yeah. right yes so it's, 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 it's really cool for me to be mm-hmm. able to learn about different parts of Indonesia where I don't have any mm-hmm. connections to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And also um, going back to, like just in food in general, like there are mm-hmm. these dishes that uh, my mom made growing up that turns out to be like my grandma's recipes. Mm-hmm. And mm. so in a way, it like connects me to her, even though she oh, died yes. like 20 something years right. ago, right? right? And it's also right, a dish right. that my dad grew up eating. Mm-hmm. And it's a recipe that now she has shared with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are many families out there where they, are, you know, have, you know, where they have recipes that are passed down generation mm-hmm. to generation. Mm-hmm. And you know, it really allows you to stay connected with, you know, your grandparents, your great grandparents, or whoever it is, right? Right, right. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that. I, I, I I totally feel you. Like, my, um, my grandma, um, my mother's side, she (laughs) cooks a lot of Japanese dishes, like, even the ones that you have to um, put a lot of effort to like put a lot of effort in like um tempura like um, Japanese Japanese style karaoke's mm-hmm. um and everything that my mom wouldn't make because she's I guess a little lazier than my grandma mm-hmm. is and like it just used to me as a child it just used to be oh like grandma's food like grandma makes all mm-hmm. these and it's something that we get to eat when we go to her place but then when I start to after like you know aging and then becoming mm-hmm. an adult and being able to appreciate like the yeah. Japanese culture and the food culture and what, what the, like the whole context and mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. that is surrounding that um, cuisine and that um, specific piece of specific plate that specific food um, I'm starting to recognize how important it is for me to like take that Mm. down to like the after generations Mm -hmm. and because I know that like my mom as an adult like I I guess for her like because Japan has always been the I guess I guess in a way the only culture that she's lived in 
mm-hmm. um, and has identified with, um, she hasn't really felt this like huge necessity of having to take that down mm-hmm. um, to the next generation to us. But then as a person like me who lives beyond some culture and in between cultures I feel like if I don't do that from now on then I might lose it you know mm-hmm. like if I don't take action right now then who's gonna do it yeah mm-hmm. I think it's very important to preserve these yes yes these, I... you know these cultural heritage mm-hmm. you know culinary heritage yes again like if I were mm-hmm. to go back to Indonesia I don't even know like my generation if they understand what's mm-hmm the the, the right. amount of effort and time that it takes to put into cooking something mm-hmm. you uh-huh. know uh-huh. or like I was talking earlier about the tumbang like do they understand the significance of it or uh-huh. is it just something that they eat because you know it's their birthday or they just uh-huh. graduated from university uh-huh. or they just got promoted or whatever you know uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that's uh-huh. just the norm that people do yeah yeah so you know, like, I hope that, you know, not only just, especially with my food blog, not only am I trying to um, expose, Mm -hmm. um, like, foreigners to Indonesian Mm -hmm. food, but I'm also, but in a way, I hope to preserve Mm -hmm. some of, you know, the culinary heritage Mm -hmm. and culture, because I think it's really important. Like, growing up, you know, like, eating these foods, I'm just like, okay, this is just Mm -hmm. Indonesian food. But yeah. now actually recreating these dishes myself, mm-hmm. reading other people's recipes, reading the significance behind the dish, why they eat what they eat. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me so much more, like there's this newfound appreciation. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you know, people, right. people are really amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that too like preserving a culture through food is something that Mm -hmm. I really find it important and I want to do that so much like even documenting like for example my grandma uh, in Thailand she cooked a lot of food from scratch like even the food that you don't really get from uh, you don't really cook at home but rather like mm-hmm. you know, ordering, catering and all this. And recipe is inside her head. It's, it's inside her yeah. body. She, you know, mm. it's in her and there's nothing being documented. And right now I'm feeling like I need to be the one who's documenting this and need to pass on to the next yeah. generations. Otherwise it will disappear and I would be super sad because all the food she makes is a very local Thai food and it's something that she been making for like 20 30 40 50 years like you know I aspire to be that level you know (laughs) to be that comfortable as a cook that I'm just like oh it needs more of this it needs more of that and just like wing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I think I think with like a lot of you know when you when you read a cookbook it's always very specific like one cup of this like two tablespoons of that but you forget that there is also like back then it, it's it's not all written like this mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, it, it's, right. it's it's very much there's a like there's an oral tradition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that that is passed down right yeah and with there's a lot of feeling and intuition mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I aspire to be. <laughs> yes, <absolutely. laughs> like, that's the if I can just do that. And mm-hmm. no, and with Indonesian food in general, we have so much that our, our cuisine is so so it's, it's very much so influenced by mm-hmm. everyone else. It's like you know, obviously we have the more like you know native dishes that are that that come from the indigenous indigenous people of Indonesia right Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of Chinese influence Indian influence Arabic influence Portuguese Dutch we're colonized by the Dutch for like 300 Mm -hmm. something years you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean and uh things like the you know noodles and congee and the the fact that we use a wok that was all introduced to by the Chinese Mm -hmm. and uh, there's just so many examples of that that I think it's very important to to learn that as well. And funnily enough, like I, my sister has a friend here. She's Canadian. She's from Vancouver, but she is Dutch descent. Mm-hmm. I think her grandma is Dutch or something like that. And she was born and raised in Canada, I believe, but she grew up eating some Indonesian food because of that Dutch Whoa. grandma. What? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, that would, you know that was that's that's really interesting. And mm-hmm. there's also mm-hmm. like the interconnectedness between Southeast Asian countries in general. As yeah. I was, you know, yeah. when I was doing research for potential dishes to make, mm-hmm. like. I always knew that there were overlaps in like Indonesian, Malaysian, and Singaporean mm-hmm. cuisine in general, but it extends more to like Vietnamese and even Thai cuisine. Mm-hmm. Like there's this uh, ice yeah. dessert called chendol in Indonesia or es dawet, and it's been around in Indonesia for a very long time. But apparently, but not apparently, I, I knew this when I was living in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a variation of that. I don't remember what it's called, but I can explain it to you, Cha. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like these green jelly things. Oh, okay. In the coconut. And in the coconut oh, water. Yeah. In the coconut milk, sorry. Yeah, 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 what, yeah. I don't yeah. know what is it's in Thai. It's called Chong. Yeah, there Thai. you go. Yeah. You know, it tastes different, but mm-hmm. it is basically just another version of that. Oh. So mm. seeing the interconnectedness, not just, you know, between Indonesians, but other Southeast Asian countries, and then, you know, all the other countries that have come into contact with Indonesia from centuries ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, there's just so much to unpack there, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. wow. Which is which is why it's, I think food is very interesting. Yeah, it is. Right. It's, it's very and you don't think about this in life. You're just thinking about like, oh, this is this. I grew up eating that. That's Indonesian. But actually there's there's more to the story there, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or like there is this one specific dish in Indonesia called um blitung, which is so bakmi is like noodles, mm-hmm. and blitung mm-hmm. is an area in Indonesia. So within that dish, you see uh influences from three different cuisines which is mm-hmm. the chinese the dutch and the indonesian so like that you don't really think about it but that that is what you're eating it has so much you know uh, different elements components of like culture from different region different culture come mm-hmm. together and to me that's just like 
the whole concept of like intercultural cross-cultural all this exactly and yeah so it's really it's really beautiful i i love it and wow it's i i have so much to learn too (laughs) yeah no i've definitely i i never realized any of this and you know as i was going into it i was like wow there is so much Mm -hmm. to learn Mm -hmm. And which is, which is sometimes sad for me, you know, when I'm reading the news about Indonesia and there's all this religious intolerance or racial mm. tensions. And it's like, mm. you know, our ancestors were able to make it work. <laughs> and, <laughs> through, and through food, it's one of the ways that people can really connect and unify, learn new things, adapt on, you know, old and traditional recipes and live together side by side in peace, you know. And so it's very, it's very sad to see people focusing more on what makes them different mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you know than things that they do have in common do you do you think that like the fact of you and us too like being intercultural cross-cultural and like mixed cultural has some kind of relationship to the fact that we're interested in the interconnectedness and the intercultural aspect of food uh, I think it definitely helps Right, because I, th- I feel like, at least for me, um, it's something that's been instilled in me, you know, growing up. Yeah. Like I'm Indonesian, yeah. but I live in Egypt. And so therefore I have to, you know, you know, I learned Arabic, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I learned to eat Egyptian food and I learned to be tolerant. Well, I was very young, maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know how tolerant I was. I was like f- five, six, seven, you know, <laughs> so as tolerant mm-hmm. as I could be at that age. But um uh so you know I was I was taught that and when I was living in Thailand you know um being very mindful of like if of of the people around me um and like you know like you know how in in the mornings when all the parents in school I think this is earlier on though like especially when we were in year nine when the early when the parents would drop off their kids to Mm -hmm. school and all the time moms would be like Saudi cat, Saudi cat, Saudi cat. Like that's not a thing that I would personally do, but mm-hmm. obviously I have to respect that and be like Saudi cat mm-hmm. back, you know, <laughs> or mm-hmm. something. Uh, yeah, or like stand, or like you know, standing still when the national anthem plays in mm-hmm. the BTS, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, so I think it's definitely it, right. it definitely helps being TCK or CCK. Because right. you do have to interact with these mm-hmm. with these other cultures, and mm-hmm. you, you're not going to survive if you're mm-hmm. not respecting the rules, mm-hmm. the people, the culture. Right. 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 And I guess I guess for you, like especially because you've like moved around so much and had to like in a way like adapt to all the cultures and the places that you've went to, and like food was one of the tools that you not used but like helped you to do that. Like I feel like the the like the the strength of that memory does kind of connect to the um excitement and how you're interested in how like food and cuisine can connect people and cultures and yeah like that in general yeah yeah definitely it's it's definitely something very exciting I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially now I think you know because people are cooking more I feel like take the time to learn it doesn't have to be you know 
a, di- a, f- a foreign dish, right? It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. Indonesian cuisine, mm-hmm. but like the dishes from your own country, your own culture. Yeah, you know, if 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 there are mm-hmm. any stories and like history behind that. So lastly, I kind of want to ask you, since we've been talking a lot of dishes from Indonesia, what's your favorite Indonesian? Oh, sure. <laughs> it's very hard for me <laughs> because I, I'm always like I'm always like I don't have favorites and not just with food with everything like mm-hmm. if you were to ask me my favorite color or like my favorite song <laughs> or movie I do not have an answer my favorite dish is whatever I'm in the mood for oh <laughs> you know sometimes I'm feeling rice sometimes I'm feeling noodles sometimes I'm feeling something more spicy or more soupy I don't know mm-hmm. that's that's uh but I do have um a soft spot I guess for oh. rendang, uh, for beef rendang mm-hmm. uh which is mm-hmm. this beef cooked in uh, in a mixture of spices and coconut milk and you just cook it for hours on end until all the all the liquid has evaporated and is like wow. dry like I, I've made the dish a couple of times here and it takes me like six hours to make Whoa. <laughs> it's yeah. half of my day gone I really have to plan around it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is one of and I think because now I know how to make this dish it makes it more special mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right know? that's definitely one of my favorites is that is that something you crave and you try to make when you're feeling a little bit a little bit down or oh yeah you're tired or I mean maybe not when I'm feeling down because there's so much that goes into that dish I'm even gonna be more stressed <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I when I do when I do miss home and I want something Indonesian that is a dish that mm. comes to mind. Mm-hmm. there are obviously other dishes that are more simple to make but I don't know I keep coming back to it I mean I grew so rendang is from uh, a re, the Minangkaba region which is west Sumatra and obviously I did not grow up there I grew up very far away from there but you know you always have these padang restaurants around Jakarta and so I grew up a lot I grew up eating that a lot mm-hmm. uh, at these restaurants but then one day my mom brought me she she brought <laughs> She brought beef and down all the way from Sumatra to Canada. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> like literally. <laughs> in like a container? Yeah. <laughs> she brought it all the way from the source, from, <laughs> from where it is originally. And I have never tasted anything like it. Uh-huh. I thought I knew what beef and down was. I did not. Wow, and she unfortunately she's only ever bought it to me once. But I dream about having that, mm-hmm. you know, wherever she bought it from, wherever she bought it from. Yeah, is uh, it is it the texture or is it like the herb or like the scent or? I mean, uh, not so much texture for me, but definitely flavor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water mm-hmm. there. <laughs> You know, well, because the coconuts were grown in that pr- specific part, it tastes different to the one that's not. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe it's all in my head. But <laughs> oh, I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that was our episode about food and identity, and. You know, Lydia, you have an amazing food blog, Instagram. So I would like to have this 
place to promote your account. <laughs> Thank so, you. What's your what's your account name? So it's Islands of Flavor, and the flavor is spelled the British way. So it's O U R. Flavor. Islands of Flavor. Islands of Flavor. We will include that in the descriptions as well, so mm -hmm. you can check out later. But it was really, really uh, passionate and definitely hungry <laughs> to <laughs> listen to you talking about food. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Livia. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, been really thank fun. You. And honestly, talking to you guys, you know, it's really taught me a lot about myself and just like TCK and the CC and, you know, CCK experience. And I really admire you guys for starting this, oh. this podcast and oh. having there be space for people <laughs> like us, you know, to share our experience or maybe for others who didn't grow up the way we did, but to learn something mm -hmm. new, a different perspective, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, As you know, allies. Yes. Yeah. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. So we'll, we will um, have more um, episodes coming up. So we'll share that as well. And thank you for listening.